For our next story this morning, we're going to be chatting remote learning and uh, some concerns around student data privacy. So since schools have transitioned to remote and hybrid learning, a major challenge has been deciding how to run and administer various forms of testing. Uh, you know, people have been asking themselves, how much oversight do teachers and administrators need to have over their students when they're taking these tests in a remote fashion. And this has created an influx of online proctoring software on student computers, which in turn has led to questions about student privacy, security, and incentive structures in the classroom. So here's some reporting and commentary out of Real Clear Education. Um, Online exam proctoring methods have been drawing heavy criticism as of late due to their often vague set of policies and best practices over how they're used and to what extent, as well as uh, some of their very present and to some people invasive forms of monitoring. Uh, ProctorU has been one high-profile example. They're the largest online proctoring vendor, and they were called out recently for their use of facial recognition technology, mouse movement control, and system performance control where they could disable background apps on students' computers. And they could do all this during uh, the examination process for a student. Another online proctor, Examus, claims that it uses eye-tracking technology, Uh, scanning for other people in the room, and what it calls emotion detection technology to prevent cheating. So I wanted to get some more context on how we should be setting students up for success in these hybrid and remote uh, exam situations, and what we should be expecting from these online proctoring services. So to do so, we're joined today by host of MarketScale's Remote Possibilities, Kevin Hogan. Kevin, great to have you on per usual. How are you doing? Great, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump right in, Kevin. So are school districts, at least based on conversations you've had and uh, insight that you've um, gathered over the months, uh, are school districts taking student privacy into account when they're employing these solutions? Yes or no? And uh, you know, what are the consequences? Yeah, that's one of the classic, uh, you know, before the pandemic, during the pandemic questions, Daniel. Uh, before Yes, uh, it was something that would be written into policies, uh, districts would consider it. Um, but as you saw this past spring, uh, and the be- beginning the use of, uh, of Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts, uh, and because of the situation, I think a lot of policies got thrown out the window. Uh, and these kind of ideas about privacy took second stage to the idea of just getting connected. So now that these sort of technologies have been established, it's going to be time for the districts to go back and take a look uh, at those policies again. Any thoughts on some of the most advanced oversight technology we were talking about, like facial recognition, computer control, emotion detection, all those things? Do you feel like those are oversteps to include them in a, a proctoring setting? What are your thoughts or, or any context to pull from? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess... The reality is, is that they're there, right? I mean, they are embedded in the technologies. Uh, I, the question is going to be about how to use them in a transparent way uh, and in an ethical way, really. Um, and again, it comes down to a situation when you're talking about, this is for higher ed as well as K-12. Actually, a lot of these technologies uh, being used uh, in the higher ed space have come under more immediate uh, controversy. Um so it really comes down to how 
to best use them in a way that everyone understands how they're being used and whether or not a student uh, agrees to that use. Now, people compare the digitally invasive uh, kind of proctoring that we were talking about to the kind of observation that students traditionally get in the classroom. Do you see these two as analogous issues? Should we be justifying uh, the kind of um, proctoring methods that we see today because students get oversight in the classroom? Are they the same? Yes, no. Thoughts? Uh, in my opinion, they're different. These are different dynamics. Uh, there are different ways to communicate with a student. Um, the idea of a, a teacher walking around and, and, and taking a look at a student's work uh, in, a, in an in-person environment, it's, it is just different. Um, and we actually have to start to begin to think about how assessment is different and what even cheating means uh, in this sort of distance learning environment. Um, you know, you maybe you called it cheating five years ago. Now you could call it collaboration, right? And as we have these conversations, my mind always takes me to proactive and holistic solutions rather than reactionary solutions. So if the issue that people have is that students are cheating, right? Uh, can we be thinking about this in any way where we de-incentivize the cheating from happening or, you know, think at a larger structure, why do students feel the need to cheat in the first place? So maybe to ground all of this, do you think the focus during hybridized or remote learning should be on catching cheating or do you see any more holistic ways for ed tech to motivate or incentivize learning habits that discourage cheating? Thoughts there? I think it's um, a question of pedagogy uh, and in, in terms of teaching methods. I mean, you, you think about, you know, are you worried about an, uh, an eight-year-old cheating on a math test? I mean, what kind of environment is there that that student would feel the pressure to cheat at all, right? I mean, there, there's something wrong with that. So maybe looking at new assessment methods, uh, you mentioned, you know, holistic. I just think about ways in which um, – you know, we begin to use a certification process, uh, a mastery process, uh, where the students can prove that they have achieved a certain level uh, of learning uh, through different methods, as opposed to this, you know, putting your your hand over your answers or or googling something with your phone under your desk while the teacher isn't looking. I mean, it's it is it's it's a greater it's a greater dynamic other than just trying to catch kids cheating on a test. And, you know, my final thoughts here are, you know, I think a lot of the reasons why we even f see the need for cheating, right, or why students would want to be motivated to cheat comes down to uh, them feeling disconnected from what they're learning and, like, the uh, grade or the success of the class is more important than whatever is happening uh, within the class, right? What they're taking away. And I don't think all of that onus falls on the student. I think in a lot of ways we should be thinking about, um, you know, as we're forced to rethink our curriculum and our education structure, how can we continue to make, uh, you know, U.S. education and really set standards for global education to be you know, more exciting for the student to, uh, be more personalized, individualized, and to motivate the student to feel engaged with their learning so that the grade isn't really the main takeaway, that if they don't get that 
80 or 90, then, you know, they're not going to be able to get that higher education. How can we rethink our structures to incentivize the learning over the grade? I think that is, uh, you know, at least my takeaway. Any thoughts on that, Kevin? I absolutely agree. And, you know, again, there are a lot of innovative ideas uh, have come out of this forced uh, migration to remote learning. And a lot of people are, are thinking about ways to reinvent things, including assessment. So again, let's, let's talk about sixth grade history. If you tell a student, instead of filling out a, a, a bubble test, uh, ABCD on the US Constitution, have them do a three minute TikTok where they're in, interpreting it and they're using their um, not only their verbal, verbal skills, but also their, their comprehension of what they're supposed to be learning. And they like it and it's fun. And then they can put that into their digital portfolio and use that as an example of not only um, their, their knowledge that they've acquired, but also how creative, how innovative they are. And there's nothing wrong with uh, having some fun, right? Kevin Hogan, host of Market Scales Remote Possibilities. Thanks again for the insights per usual. Always a pleasure, Daniel. Thank you. 